I am Daniel Lukies, and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years, and today I have my special guest. He's the author of several books, no other than Mr. Robert Booth. Thank you, Daniel. Yes. Welcome to Book 101, Mr. Robert. And can you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Robert Boog. I'm a real estate broker, and I live in Valencia, California, which is about 20 minutes north of Hollywood, California. Interesting. So, Mr. Robert, what age did you realize that you are good in writing? I was I got tricked by my fourth grade principal. What happened was I wrote a story in class and then the teacher wrote on my paper, please see me after you know class is over today. And after a class was over, she took me to the principal's office and they called my mother in. And um the teacher didn't believe that I'd written the, the story that I'd written. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So the principal said, we have an easy way of, of, you know, figuring this out. We'll just have Robert write another story tomorrow. So I had to go to the principal's office the next day and I wrote a, another story. And then a funny thing happened. I, I ended up going to um, see the principal again the you know the third time and oh, i'd never got in yeah i never had been in trouble before in my whole life and um she told me that i didn't need to go to a fourth grade uh, english anymore that she sent me to six a sixth grade class and then after i was in the sixth grade class for about a week and then she just sent me to the library every day so i <laughs> Ended up not having to go. I, she just said, you like to read, it seems like. And I said, yeah. And so uh, that was it. I, I never took uh, English in sixth grade. Oh, that's interesting and amazing. <laughs> Mr. Roberts, who are your favorite authors that influence you? Mm, I would say, of course, Shakespeare and uh, but I'm into like reading self-help stuff. I, I read all kinds of stuff. So to be honest, um, you know, like Dale Carnegie and I, I call myself a perennial student because I'm always looking to learn things. So I'm my uh, I, I, I just don't have one favorite, but Stephen King is is one, of course. And um, uh, I don't know, Robert Sheldini. I really like him. If you describe their writing. What is it or what are they? Well, what I like about Cialdini, I'm a student of psychology. And so he wrote a great book called Influence. And it talks about how um, how to influence or how to help sell to someone. And that is also with um, Tom Hopkins, another favorite of mine. But because I'm in the world of real estate, I graduated from UCLA and, and went right into uh, selling real estate. So I've sold real estate for um, ever since I left uh, UCLA, 
which is a very challenging job because you don't receive a, a regular paycheck. You're paid on commission. But I figured out that if you know how to help people get the feelings that they want from what they're buying, then you're just more successful at it. That'd be amazing. You told us that you love Shakespeare. If you compare Shakespeare to uh, his rival, Christopher Marlowe, what's the big difference? Okay, so I, okay, I come from a totally different um, thought on this. And it is that I believe that Shakespeare and Marlowe were the same person. And they were not, it was not William Shakespeare. It was another man. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. It's so a, it's a pen name. <laughs> correct. Yeah. They both, and, and actually, okay. So what we've learned in high school about Shakespeare, I think was only uh, like a half truth. And okay. <clears throat> so it kind of, I mean, it gets into uh, the world of, the Elizabethans back in the 1600s, they they would use, uh, I mean, these famous people didn't want to argue in public, so they would use what we call an alonym or someone, today we would, might call him a Facebook sock puppet or, uh, you know, a fake Twitter handle or something. You would yes. make up someone. But back yes. then it had to be a, a real life, you know, breathing person. And that person would allow you to, you, you would pay them and they would put their name on it and um and that's what i think shakespeare did i mean shakespeare was the front for a guy edward de vere oh and he was the 17th earl of oxford so a lot of people or a lot of times when i'm talking i'll say oxford or edward de vere meaning the same person it's just uh, kind of an abbreviation oh why did you chosen shakespeare to be one of your novel is it novel it's more of like a, a non-fiction historical mystery, if that makes any sense. So if you like, if you like to watch the TV show Dateline or 48 Hours or, you know, TV shows where there's a real life mystery, the question is with Shakespeare, who was this, who wrote Shakespeare, first of all, or who was behind him? And just figuring out things like that is the fun of it like <laughs> like i was saying like i believe that shakespeare and marlowe were the same uh, you know <laughs> yeah. thing kind yeah. of thing so you you it's it's kind of like a whole who done it thing that or a cold case file that is over 400 years old so it, it's kind of interesting when you really get into it okay so the one that i'd like to talk about is um where North by Shakespeare goes south. And it's kind of funny, but in 2021, there was a book called North by Shakespeare. And those researchers, what they did is they took software, uh, a software program that is used to identify plagiarism in college students. And they put Shakespeare's play and determined that they matched, like there are hundreds of matches between Shakespeare and a man by the name of Sir Thomas North. And Sir Thomas North translated a book called Plutarch's Lives, and uh, along with some other books. So what they're saying is that 
Shakespeare did not write Shakespeare. He ripped off Sir Thomas North. And so my book is saying, uh, the only, uh, the, the problem with that theory is that no plays of Sir Thomas North have ever been found. So when they're claiming that Shakespeare ripped off his plays, they think that he purchased them from Thomas North's son and then Shakespeare's troupe of actors like recycled the the lines and created um, Shakespeare's masterpieces from them. So this is the most um, recent theory on the authorship because it's based in 2021. Interesting, Mr. Robert. I'm looking at now your Amazon profile, but why it's not included your book right now? Because it's like brand new. It's oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. so so it is. It's very new. It's uh, probably just about a, less than a week old. It's probably four days old or something. Before we go in the deep conversation, I want to shout out to the people listening, of course, in the United States, in the state of California, because you are there, right, Mr. Robert? Oh, yeah. In San Francisco, I got 82%. Los Angeles at 2%. Irvine, San Jose, Mountain View, Santa Ana. Moreno Valley, Sacramento, Southgate, Sunnyvale, Riverside, San Diego, Oakland, Oni, Fresno, Fontana, Burlingame, Thousand Oaks, Anaheim, Westminster, North Hollywood, Pleasantville, Glendale, South San Francisco, Oak Park, Reseda, Long Beach, Coarse Gold, Chula Vista, Camarillo, Sebastopol, Visalia, Newport Beach, Valencia, Colton, Walnut, I think it's all part in California. Oh my goodness, I have a lot of places in California. I have 100 places in, sorry if I cannot read them all, but thank you so much California for listening to my podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world like Mr. Robert Dowd. Mr. Robert, what will be the best highlight of the book? that we're talking about well i think the best highlight might be just to realize the context and um kind of setting the this this context of having um alonyms meaning that okay we all or most of us remember that the first poem that made william shakespeare famous was uh, venus and adonis and it was written in 1593. And they, we're told that William Shakespeare wrote this poem for Henry Rosely because he dedicated it to Henry Rosely. And he did this because he wanted to get a, a, a patronage from this wealthy earl. Um, Henry Rosely was the richest man in all of England. So when I learned this in high school, I imagined Henry Rosalie to look like Donald Trump, you know, like a middle-aged guy <laughs> with the bad <laughs> comb over or something. And then when I found out, when I started reading more about Edward de Vere and why do people think that he was the author of Shakespeare, I learned that Edward de Vere's daughter, Elizabeth, was um, arranged to be married to 
Henry Rosalie, the richest guy. And Henry Rosalie was 16 years old. And Elizabeth Fair was 14 years old. So this was in 1589, before the writing of Venus and Adonis. Now, Henry Rosalie rejected the marriage proposal. And her grandfather, his name was Lord Burley, was not a happy camper. And he fined uh, Henry Rosalie the, the sum of 5,000 pounds, which today would be maybe a million dollars, let's say. And Henry Rosalie said, that's okay. I have the money. Um, you can find me all you want. And I'm still not going to marry uh, your granddaughter. Now, um, two years later, in 1591, a poem written in Latin called Narcissus came out. And this poem talked about the Greek god Nar Narcissus, how he, would, how he died of self-love because he, he saw his reflection in, the, in this pond. And it claimed that it, it's kind of like it compared Narcissus with Henry Rosalie and said that uh, Henry Rosalie lacked honor and that he would never have any, he was not virile. He wouldn't have any grand or have, have any children. And I think what happened is that the father of Elizabeth Vere, his name was Edward de Vere. I think he, he may have been Henry's godfather, actually, at the time. And he he was mad about it. And he wrote Venus and Adonis because in the dedication to Venus and Adonis, it um, claimed that Henry Rosalie had honor. It said, repeats the word honor like seven times. So that word honor kind of jumped out at the uh, from the page at me. And then I realized that... Um, in high school, we never learned about Elizabeth Vare or really much about Henry Rosalie, or I didn't realize that he was younger than me at the time. So it's kind of like interesting to find out this stuff. And then when you do, you realize, um, why would a guy... Okay, so if you think uh, like Los Angeles is 100 miles from San Diego and um, London was 100 miles away from Stratford-upon-Avon, where... William Shakespeare lived. So how would someone who lived 100 miles away find this poem written in Latin in some kind? And by the way, the, the poem wasn't, um, it, it wasn't uh, translated until the 1990s. And so um, it was kind of a difficult poem to translate in Latin. But so the who, whoever wrote Venus and Adonis had to be um, very skilled at, at reading Latin. And Edward de Vere, the, uh, the person I believe wrote Shakespeare, studied law. And back then, law was written in Latin. So you had, you know, you had to be an expert in Latin to be a lawyer back then. And then that, that's just kind of like one of the reasons why I think that Edward de Vere really was the the author of Shakespeare. And so North by Shakespeare claims that uh, what I'm saying is they got a lot of things right about, you know, throwing all these uh, plays and 
information through the software um, plagiarism or you know plagiarism software but i think they got the wrong person and i think that it was an answer could be made that edward devere um, had helped thomas north translate some things from latin when he was 18 years old and then he he wrote the plays and poems of William Shakespeare, and he attributed them to Shakespeare. Oh, interesting, uh, Mr. Robert. <laughs> so do you think your book is the same with the Da Vinci Code, decoded? <laughs> 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 do you think it's similarity? It's, it's so happy that your book is uh, nonfiction, right? It's nonfiction. So it's, yeah, somebody uh, had suggested that I do something like that, where I make it some kind of more of, of a fictional person who's hot on the trail of this. And this is, um, you know, which is a great idea. And maybe I will do that. Um, but in this one, I, I had to kind of like figure things out in my head. Like, where did Marlowe, for example, figure in this, uh, in this thing? And why, you know, what so i i just like um will ask myself little questions like like that and um so i had to kind of sort it out and this book is kind of a reflection of questions that i ask myself it's it's called where north by shakespeare goes south so how yeah. did you craft that this book how did i craft it okay well i had written another book um it wasn't I, I did write a book called Hang Shakespeare, but I had another book that I wrote um, that was like the real life mystery of William Shakespeare, you know, that kind of thing. And this, I got a phone call from a person who read it and he said, well, you need to read this book, this North by Shakespeare, because this is just written in 2021. And what you're saying is like prior to 2021 that this is you know like a big splash and everybody's talking about it and this must be the way that shakespeare was was written and so i was um i was going to send them an email like with the bullet points like five bullet points of why i didn't think that was the case and then what happened was my email got <laughs> kind of long and so I just uh, saved it. And then I thought, oh, I, you know, I'm just going to write this out. And then it became like 10 pages. And then before I knew it, it was like 50 pages. And the book is only 135 pages, but um, people who have read it said that they liked my, it was kind of like uh, what my fourth grade principal said that she liked, <laughs> she liked my style of writing, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. She, uh, yeah. So if you describe your writing, what is it? Oh, what, uh, what people have told me uh, is you have a very engaging writing style. That's what they tell me. And um, because I try to put a little bit of humor, I, I wanted to make my teachers laugh when they read my paper to make sure that they read it. And because when I was a kid, I would write a paper, but sometimes you weren't sure did they really read this or not so i would i would put in like little phrases like you know mr mcgrath runs naked through the the football field or something like that was the person who was reading it just to see if it would catch it and they never did or they would just like one one time a teacher said ha like so i knew she read it 
But sometimes so, I would do that just for the heck of it. So I mean to say that your writing is something else. That when the teacher called you and went to the principal's office, there's something in your writing that people need to read. The guy, the man's name was Thomas North. So Thomas we're North. yeah, we're North by Shakespeare. Okay, so Mr. Robert, let's talk about the main character. Well, in this book, the main character is you. I mean, you're reading it. So, um, the actually, Thomas North would be considered the main character, I suppose, because what I'm doing is um, taking apart some of the evidence that they have for example the the book north by shakespeare has three smoking guns that prove that thomas north uh, wrote the plays for shakespeare now um like smoking gun number one is that thomas north had a cousin who wrote a thirteen thousand page manuscript or thirteen word thousand word manuscript and in it there were passages used in 11 of Shakespeare's plays. Now, he wrote this in 1575. Shakespeare was born in 1564. So how would like a 9 or 10 or 11-year-old be able to read this, this manuscript? You know, that that's one of the smoking guns. The second one, um, there were four names that Thomas North... Um, he found, he went to France in 1575 or 1574. So he went to, to Paris with his brother and met four people in France. And those names are, can be found in the play Love's Labor is Lost by William Shakespeare. So how can someone explain that? Again, um, Shakespeare in 1575, if he, if he was born in 1564, he was not going to be traveling to to france so that is smoking gun number two and then um number three is just the events in thomas north's life um how they match shakespeare's life or what the plays in shakespeare so um so what i do in in my book is i say okay okay let's look at smoking gun number one that's the one where um, Thomas North had a cousin who wrote this manuscript. Well, in 1578, um, Queen Elizabeth visited Roger North at that um, at this big house that he had in England, and he most likely would have presented that manuscript to Queen Elizabeth to read it, and she normally because she only spent the night there, she probably would have said, you know, let me take it with me and I'll read it. And the place that she stored her stuff to, to read was a place called Cecil House, which is where Edward de Vere lived. So it makes sense that Edward de Vere would have been able to read this, man, this really long manuscript and use it in 11 of Shakespeare's plays if he was Shakespeare, right? Yes. The, the second one, you know, the four names in Love's Labor's Lost. In 1574, Thomas North went to Paris with his brother. Remember that? Well, in January 1st, Edward de Vere is in Paris. And this is in uh, January 1st. He probably had dinner with 
Thomas North and, and Roger North in in Paris. They, I mean, they they were all English, so most likely they they it's not uh, you know. So they would have met the four people that people say only um, Thomas North would have known these four names to be put in Love's Labor's Lost. So that kind of you know puts a hole in that theory. The third one, the events in Thomas North's life matches the plays of William, uh, you know, plays of Shakespeare. Well, if you think about it, um, in 1575, Edward de Vere traveled to Italy and he lived in a place called, uh, he stayed in, in Venice where we know the merchant of Venice was made. He went down to Sicily, Palermo, Messina, Padua. So if you were to take a map of Italy with those, you know, colored pushpins and mark the places of Shakespeare's 13 plays that are um, set in, in Italy, they would match the places that Edward de Vere stayed in. And that's something that you can't say with Thomas North or anyone else, really. William Shakespeare never left England. And yet people believe that he could write about um, Italy because maybe some friend told him about it or that it, people come up with all these excuses. But, um, you know, they have that um, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So we know that Shakespeare went to Pisa because uh, uh, of one of the plays that there's a mention of the people of Pisa. He calls them the grave people of Pisa or the grave citizens of Pisa, sorry. Somebody in 19, like 1982 went to Pisa. They tried to recreate where Shakespeare must have been and they realized that they were standing in a cemetery, an old, old cemetery. So when they said the grave citizens, it's a pun, you know, he's talking about the people of the cemetery, you know? So somebody would have had to have gone there and how, if, if, William Shakespeare never left England. It doesn't doesn't add up. Oh, very well said, Mr. Robert. But before we go on, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, on our third season, which Chef Alessandro, one of the best executive chef in one of the best restaurants in downtown Toronto. And we are so very grateful because we got our 1 million downloads. If you're supporting my Food 101, can you please support my Book 101 review? Because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world to write more books, people, so that uh, we can read lots of books. So, Mr. Robert, are you independent or traditional publishing? I'm an indie author. So what are the pros and cons of being indie author? Well, when you're writing about Shakespeare, people have, especially, um, they, they have really strong de- uh, beliefs. So it's a very divisive topic. And if you were to go to a traditional pu- publisher, most people would just tell you that, you know, um, these people want proof. We want we want to see the evidence that you have that um, that William Shakespeare did not write uh, Shakespeare plays, poems, and, and sonnets. So 
but that's kind of like nowadays people want, you know, we want to take a purple pill and lose weight. We don't want to watch our diet and exercise. We, you know, we want to eat greasy cheeseburgers and fries and eat ice cream and take a pill and lose weight. I mean, we want easy ways. And so to explain why Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare takes an understanding of the context. You understand how the, the people, the noblemen of that time didn't argue publicly because they they felt that was wrong. So they would um, have these other people do that uh, or sign their names to it. What do you think in the future you will be signing for traditional? I don't know. I, that remains to be seen. I have been approached a couple of times, but I've held out. I mean, it's it's everybody's, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a control thing because everybody's got their ideas. So sometimes when it's like um, like a Hollywood kind of thing, I, you know, where I live, I'm 15 minutes from Hollywood, really, with with no traffic, <laughs> of course. But <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I, I've been to a couple of meetings where people have approached me about writing for some something and um, but they have, you know, what they want. And so um, they're very people. It's a control thing a little bit. What are your inspiring messages for those aspiring writers out there? I would say write the truth. I mean, try to f figure things out. And that's the what what I'm ultimately searching for an answer these days is does the truth matter? I mean, we've been living in the world of Donald Trump where you know, lies and misrepresentations have been considered okay and we just lived with it. But I think the truth does matter, especially if it's coming from the White House or institutions. I mean, in the past we had our parents and priests or religious people who provided kind of like guardrails for us, like not to do or do things but um we've kind of like gotten away where this it's kind of a wild crazy world and they have all these divisive people on the right and um angry people on the left and so the world is becoming um kind of you know this this mad shouting match and uh, where each one wants to win and nobody really cares about the truth and i think that we have to get to the bottom of these things like who who and what and why um, we believe this happened here. Um, and that will make the, like the plays of Shakespeare more interesting when you know the truth, because then it can relate with other things that were happening at the time. And you'd say, oh, okay, I get that now. Yes, very well said, Mr. Robert. And before we go on, please do grab a copy of my poetry book titled Abstract Poetry. I do it volume by volume. Volume one is emotions. Volume two is famous people. Volume three is universe. And volume four is love. Please do grab a copy and support my poetry books. So, Mr. Robert, can you please invite our listeners to buy all your books? You can stop by my website. It's Robert Boog. Spelled be like boy, O O G dot com. 
And you can, um, what I did is I tried to bundle them a couple, like uh, two books together, like Shaky's Madness. I, um, I bundled with this book along with, um, where you could buy three books on Shakespeare that I've written that I thought would go together as a bundle and save some money at the same time. But yes. uh, I'm writing, I, obviously, I make more money selling one house than books. So I'm really trying to get <laughs> the, uh, the truth of the matter out because I think it's important for students to question these things. Growing up, I, I was never told to question. I, I was just, I accepted that um, Shakespeare wrote this stuff. And then I went to England, actually. And when I went there, I was thinking, wow, in my mind, I imagined something totally different. It would be like somebody coming to California and going to Disneyland, but actually taken to like a miniature golf course in the San Fernando Valley. And there's, you know, where there's a tiny little castle and you're given a, a golf club to swing and you're thinking, this looks so much different in my head. But if you go to the real uh, Disneyland, you'll, you would see the big castle and people walking around and, and, and it would match your imagination. Yes, indeed, people. Let's support Mr. Robert Booth because the book is, I can say, phenomenal. The Cardings offer identity is something else. Uh, so, Mr. Robert, what do you think your next project you want to decode? Can you do the Bronte sisters? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know at this point. I'm, I'm just... Uh, just relaxing right now, actually. So, oh, okay. And good luck for all your books. I hope people will buy it and support you so that more books do come. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Robert. More to come, people. See you soon.